And it's not a matter of sort of, you know, there's the super Christian and the not super Christian. It's not that sort of a comparison game, but it is one of growing into maturity, growing up together in the Lord. So the natural question is, well, how do we grow? How do you grow? What do you do? You know, what, what shapes us? When you think of, of a plant, right, plant something, uh, chances are it may just kind of go on its own for a bit and do not act. But if you want a, a plant to grow into maturity, if you want a tree to grow into maturity, you need to do things to help it along. You need to water it, fertilize it, right? You might need to protect it from deer if you live here. Protect it all from the deer, you know? Fences, electricity, whatever. You want to do something against predators, you want to help it grow within itself, whatever it might be. Friends, in the spiritual life, there's something similar for us, that we're supposed to grow into maturity in Christ. How do we do that? And that's what I want to explore together over the next few weeks. I want to draw your attention to the practices of the faith that Jesus modeled for us. As Rob read this morning from Mark, especially, as Jesus withdraws to pray. How do we grow in Christ, friends? There's many ways to answer that, but I want to answer it this way, to say that we engage together in a variety of spiritual disciplines. Or, if that word bothers you, spiritual practice, or if that word bothers you, good habits of the faith. I don't know. Fill it in however you wish. But we're called to grow together, and that requires us doing something about it. Friends, the simple truth is this. Uh, we're always being formed by someone or by something. It's not a question of, am I going to be shaped and formed? It's a question of, who or what is shaping and forming me already? Uh, John Ortberg says, uh, just as there's an outer you, an outer you that's formed by what you eat and how you exercise and all that sort of thing, uh, there's also an inner you. You have a spirit. And it's constantly being tugged at. Your spirit is constantly being tugged at and shaped by what you read and what you watch, uh, what you say, what you experience, what you think. And so Paul Paul is telling us as we are, as we uh, enter into growing in maturity in Christ, we are being called to pay attention to what is coming and shaping my heart. It's going to happen one way or the other. You're going to be shaped and tugged by something. Is it into Jesus and a deeper life in Him or away from Him? And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be doing this new sermon series, and it's kind of fitting at the beginning of the year. We talk about New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, apparently, I heard once that this was uh, the best-selling month for exercise equipment, January. Right? Because there's this desire. We want it. We realize something maybe in the last year wasn't great. We, there's this call to change. Which we realize I need to make some changes in my life. Or sometimes by March, those resolutions are petered out. Um, but there's something similar for us as Christians, and there's a healthy desire that God speaks to, which is the desire to know where I am today is not where I want to be a year from now. Right? I want to be growing again. I'll talk about maturing. So this series of the next five weeks, we're going to talk about spiritual habits for growing deeper in Christ. These are five biblical practices. They're time-honored practices from church history. Uh, they're, they're ways for reordering our lives so that we can make room to encounter Jesus and spend the time with Him. And I wonder right up front, before we get into you know, the practice for today, is uh, what's your gut reaction 
to a phrase like spiritual discipline. And sometimes that word discipline can feel kind of difficult. Uh, maybe even as Pentecostal people, we go, well, what? What are you, what are you talking about? You know, I'm formed by the Spirit. Well, of course you are, absolutely. Uh, in the same way a plant is formed and shaped and grown by the sun and by the water, you are formed by forces beyond yourself. And yet there is a call in the life of Jesus and the church of the apostles to be striving together to grow in the faith. So it's not uh, saying we're not graced by the Spirit, we're not growing in Him. Absolutely we are. These practices are not earning you salvation. They're not giving you brownie points with God. They are reordering our lives to say, Lord, I want you to transform my heart. I want to take the time with you. I want to be shaped by you. And perhaps one of the best ways to think about this is that discipline is the same root as disciple. Right? We talk about being disciples of Christ. It means to follow him, and it means to live in a way that honors him, uh, to get our cues for how to live from him. And that means there's things we do, and it means there's things now we do not do. There is a disciplining of our hearts and our lives to say, I follow Jesus and not this person, or not this way of thinking. And so that maybe helps redeem the word discipline for you if you think of punishment right away. Well, it's not punishment. When I discipline my son, I'm not just punishing him, I want to shape him so that he grows in an understanding of right and wrong, and it's for his health and benefit, right? It's not just punishing him because I'm angry. It's disciplining him so he knows, well, what you did wasn't good. And I want to send you on a way that is good. And so I require putting up a little wall here to say, no, this far and no further. You know? In the same way we are called to be growing in Christ, and there's ways for us to discipline ourselves as disciples, to engage in life-giving practices that lead us into God's presence. And uh, friends, you know, I think a lot of us have a very overly busy schedule. And this is about adjusting our days to make room for God. Simple as that. The key to remember with, with all of these in the next five weeks is uh, spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices never an end in itself. Uh, it's not to do it for the sake of doing it. We do these things in order to encounter Jesus. That is the goal. That is the aim. And insofar as the practice points us to Christ and helps us to engage with him, Excellent. The work of the practice is now done, and we are in the presence of the Lord and spending the time with Him. So these are not things that are, uh, these are instrumental. These are not terminal. These are not the end goal. These are the things that help us to grow into Christ, and that's the, that is where we want to be. So with all that in mind, I want to talk about a pair of things this morning that you maybe picked up from the scriptures, which is reading and praying. Reading and praying. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you go, well, yeah, duh. This is just part of Christian life. Of course, we read and we pray. Let's think about that a little more. I want to think, first of all, about the life of Jesus and how reading and prayer were central to him. And uh, again, thinking of Mark, particularly, uh, we can discern that prayer was very central to Jesus' own life. But let's jump into that. Uh, friends, there can be little doubt that Jesus, as a Jewish boy, grew up with the scriptures. Uh, little doubt that he was memorizing large portions of it. It's very possible that uh, when he was born, as he was laying in that manger, his parents whispered the Shema into his ear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and soul, and strength. This basic prayer of the Jewish faith. Uh, we read that uh, in his public ministry, right, as Jesus began and launched into his ministry, he read from Isaiah 61 in the synagogue, and there was a reading just similar to what Rob did, God had read scripture, and then, amazingly, authoritatively, Jesus says, and now that scripture is coming true in me today. Whoa, that changes things. Jesus knew the word, he knew uh, shockingly that this prophecy of Isaiah, that the suffering servant would come and redeem the world, as we kind of talked about in the last two months as we went through Isaiah, this was coming true right now in him. Uh, he would have also taught a lot from Scripture. You'll remember passages where he said things like, well, you've heard it said this, but now I'm going to say this. This is the Word of God, not abolishing Scripture, but fulfilling it and now taking it to its root. And so you get passages like in Matthew where he says, uh, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And so Jesus gets to the very core of what the scripture teaching was. Not just kind of the words and saying, okay, well, as long as I don't sleep with someone else, I'm good. Jesus says, no, no, this is about the, the character and the desires of your heart. That's what's happening in the Ten Commandments. And that's what's happening all throughout the law. And of course, we read after the resurrection in Luke 24, Jesus says, everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And it says he opened their minds, the disciples' minds, to understand the scriptures. Jesus was immersed in the Hebrew scriptures. He knew them well, he taught them well, and he fulfilled them, folks. They're central to his life. And in the same way as his disciples, they should be central to our lives as well. So reading, but also prayer. We read constantly about Jesus' life of prayer, and I love this passage in Mark, that after a difficult day of people and ministry and work, essentially, right? Life and practice and ministry, and it would be busy and it would be draining. Jesus retreats to spend time in prayer with the Father. And I think it's telling, it's noteworthy, friends, that one of the disciples in Luke 11 come up to Jesus uh, with a question, Lord, teach us to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? Isn't it interesting? They don't say, Lord, teach us how to give people. They don't say, Lord, teach us how to worship. They don't say, Lord, teach us how to evangelize. <laughs> or teach us to do good youth ministry. They don't do any of that. Teach us to do missions good. They don't do that. Teach us to care for the poor. No, it's, Lord, teach us to pray. Because the disciples understood that as Jesus engages in prayer, he's cultivating his relationship with the Father. And from that place of intimacy with the Father in prayer, all of Jesus' healing and miracles and teaching and caring for the poor would flow. It's from the place of prayer that one learns to worship, and one learns to care, and one learns to serve. All of that flows from the life-giving relationship that Jesus has with his Father. And so the disciples know that this is the integral facet of Jesus' life. To ask, Lord, to just pray, includes all the other things that they could learn. This is the central thing. This is the one thing to come back to. Lord, teach us how to pray. So there's little doubt, friends, when we think about prayer and scripture, we can come at it and just say, these were absolutely central in the life of Jesus. They need to be central in mine as well. 
And if that weren't reason enough, friends, I think it's telling in our own modern world just how much we need this. In our own world that is preoccupied with its own sort of productivity and competition and uh, skepticism or sophistication, there's a sort of mind for attention, there's the accumulation of wealth and status and power that our culture is so engrossed with, there's the, the overly sexualization of so much in our culture. Again, thinking about what tugs and shapes our hearts, it's what you see and watch and hear and experience. And so we say, Lord, am I being tugged in this direction or am I being tugged in another direction? I want to be tugged closer to you. I need to take the time to read. I need to take the time to pray and be shaped by you. And the church has known, friends, all throughout, all throughout the centuries, uh, that this is not only what shapes us to be better people, prayer and scripture, but this is what shapes us to engage in mission in the world. If we are to be people that go out into a world that is lost and broken, we need to go with a message of the gospel of Christ, full of love and peace, and what sharpens us in that word is a life-giving relationship with the Father through prayer and through scripture. We need this. I like how uh, different authors have talked about prayer, and I think maybe this would be helpful for us. Let me read this quote. It says, The discipline of prayer is the this, intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. I like that. Intentional, concentrated, and regular. Not, not just here and there, but often, right? Everything and everyone around us wants to fill every bit of space in our lives and so make us not only occupied people, but preoccupied people as well. Do you feel this at times? Your life is preoccupied. It's hard to even know what to think. You're just so full of things. When we permit the world to pack our minds and hearts with countless things to look at, to listen to, to read about, and countless people to visit or write to or talk to, and all sorts of happenings in the world that we can get excited about or depressed about, how can we ever manage to keep a space for the one who says, don't set your heart on all these things, but set your hearts on God's kingdom first. Friends, our world is preoccupied and busy, and as Christians, we're called to engage with that world, and to do so, we need to learn to take the time apart to spend with the Lord so we can minister well in a busy, busy culture. Here's another way of thinking about prayer. Prayer is being unbusy with God instead of being busy with other things. Prayer is primarily to do nothing useful or productive in the presence of God. To not be useful is to remind myself that if anything important or fruitful happens in my time of prayer, it's God who achieves the result, not me. Prayer is simply setting aside a time and a place to believe, be alone with God just be with Jesus. Let him look upon you, let him touch you, let him speak to you, and may you experience his love and his grace. How do we do this? Well, there's lots of ways to answer the question. How do we practically read scripture? And uh, many of you may have a way of doing this, and we've talked uh, already as a church, we're doing our kind of read scripture plan, and, and I know we had it out of Bible reading plans last Sunday, there's more at the back. You'd like to join us as we read through the Bible this year? We can do that, but how do we learn to stop quiet our own hearts, the busyness of our own minds, and actually read the Bible prayerfully? How do we encounter God through His Word? There's lots of ways to do that, but what I'd like to do is point you to uh, a historical practice. And you'll find a sheet of paper that was attached to your bulletin, 
Uh, some of you have it. I only printed it about a year or so. Uh, so share with your spouse or something if you need to. It's all right. I'm not, don't start reading the whole thing. I just want you to pull it up. Because then you'll be reading it and, and we'll all be distracted. And I, I won't know what I'm saying either. Uh, but in uh, church history, so in about 8529, uh, sort of medieval period of sorts, well, a little bit later, but you've got different monastic orders coming out. And one of those was an order of uh, Benedictine monks. They were started by St. Benedict of Nursia. And his whole approach was we need people that will set aside the time and a place to pray and to work. And so their, their motto as monks was, uh, ora et labora. We pray and we work. And they worked like physical labor. Like they were hardworking guys. The monks weren't just sitting around, you know, chanting. No, no. They don't work in their beehives and work in their gardens and, you know, building stuff and all kinds of stuff. But prayer and work together. Uh, and they were people that lived in community and humility and permanence. And, and, you know, they took vows to live a life apart for the Lord. I'm not asking all of you to do this. But one of the ways in which uh, we learn from them is they had a practice of prayer called Lectio Divina. And this uh, this is what this sheet's about. Lectio, this might sound really, what are we talking about? Lectio means uh, reading, and Divina means sacred. So this was sacred reading. This was just the time they would take every day to read scripture together and encounter the Lord. This was, of course, they were encountering the Lord all through the day, just as we do. But they said, we need to take time specifically to stop and pray and read. And so, for us, I'm, I'm offering this as a suggestion. This may be helpful for you as a discipline in your own life. If you feel scattered, if you feel wayward, if you feel like you have a lack of energy for God, if you feel like it's just difficult going, uh, this sort of discipline, this sort of habit in your life, will help that. If that's your... Diagnosis is, I feel distant from God, and I feel scripture is hard to read, and I don't want to do. Maybe this is a bit of a remedy. What they would do is they would read scripture out loud, the same passage, several times. The first time, they would read it and just listen. The second time, they would read it out loud, and they'd pay attention to a particular phrase or word that the Lord would put on their hearts. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, as, as you read scripture, suddenly something juts out at you. Have you ever had this feeling? Uh, it, sometimes it's like, I've never read this before. It just kind of jumps off the page or leaps out the page. Uh, maybe you've never. It's okay if you haven't had this. But they would prayerfully put themselves before the Lord with the Bible, read through a passage of scripture, and say, God, what from this do you want to speak to me through today? What is the word for me today? And friends, what this does is it confronts our presuppositions about what the Bible is. The Bible is not primarily a book of information. It's not primarily a book of nice moral stories to help you get instant advice for your life. The Bible is a book of spiritual transformation. The Bible is meant to be read and prayed through as a way for us to connect to the heart of God. It's His Word. It's Him speaking to us. This is why we, we hold it with such esteem. And this is why it's really important to me as a church that we take time to publicly read scripture, which all commends to the church in the New Testament. Don't forsake the reading of scripture. We need this, folks. We so need this. So, the practice is, is quite simple, but it, it also requires a shifting of our hearts. I don't just read the Bible to get advice for my life for right now. I need to read the Bible 
uh, not as a newspaper to get information, but as a love letter. I need to hear this as God's word for me today. And we come to the word believing that he has a word to speak into my present situation today. And so we sit with the text and we say, Lord, would you speak through your word? I'm feeling empty and broken. I need to hear from you. Would you speak? It sounds very basic, right? This is not strange. It's not some kind of weird monastic thing they're doing as monks. They're literally just sitting with the word, repeating it, reading it, soaking in it, and letting God speak. Friends, Jesus went off alone to pray. If Jesus needs to get alone to pray, and if Jesus is so immersed in Scripture, I just think, man, who am I to think I don't need to get alone to pray? If Jesus needs to go spend time with the Father, like I really do. Right? If Jesus thinks the scriptures are important, I need to take the scriptures as important as well. So that is the that's sort of the practice that I think we do for this Sunday. Prayerful reading of scripture. Let you divina. What you'll find, and this is your this is the teacher in you coming out. This is your homework. This is your handout to take home and read after class. You know? No, um, but this is more teaching mode than teaching mode. Um, what you'll have here, it says on the, on the back page, so you can flip over, this kind of explains what it is. Uh, engaging with scriptures with our heart and our soul, not just our minds. Okay? If you flip it over, you'll see four sort of numbered steps about how we're going to reflect on what we're reading and praying. So I give this to you to encourage you to take that time with the Word. What I'm going to do is read a passage of scripture to prepare our hearts for the table. And I'm going to read it twice. The first time, uh, I invite you to just listen. And the second time I read through it, I invite you to ask the Lord, is there something in this word for me today? Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe nothing really comes out of it. But I invite you to open your heart to the Spirit that saves you through His word. And ask not just, uh, Lord, speak to me, but how does this confront me? Maybe I'm encouraged by this word. Maybe I'm challenged by this word. Maybe it bothers me to the core. Maybe there's something that unsettles me. Why is it unsettling? That's worth pressing into. God, why does this passage unsettle me? What is that speaking to in my own heart? What's happening in my heart? Why is this bothering me? Why is this confronting me? And so you want to read with an attentiveness to your own emotional state. Lord, what are you doing in my own heart and soul as I read? And uh, you can read more about that on on this passage. But what I'd like to do is read the passage from John. We're going to read it twice. And we're going to pray the scripture together. It's as simple as that. As Christians, we know scripture and prayer are central to the life of our Lord. We know that all through church history, this is how the church is connected with the Lord. Prayer and scripture. And so we're going to read this passage. And let it be a preparation in your hearts for when we come to the table in just a few moments.